So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Miss Mel Cadell. We were actually supposed to speak on the last episode. Um, I interviewed her man, Mr. Travis Millard, and we blabbed for too long, so um, we had to wait and do a, a second interview, which actually turned out to be way better. We, we had much more time to sit down and, and talk and, and get to know one another, because we'd actually never met before, but... I've been following her art, and it seems like her art's been following me around. We always seem to end up in the same city, um, but we talk about that. Uh, we also talk about Los Angeles, sound signatures, all women's school, all women's art shows, perfection, Pennsylvania folk art, patterns, psychedelics, materials, studio mates, murals, haters, Mary Karnowski, Internet Shack, Will Oldham, Mobiles, Twitter, and Time Machines. Make sure you go check out the website, mikemaxwellart.com slash LFP. We just set up a, actually, Miss Crystal, who is in the room listening now, but she she won't get on the show. Say hi, Crystal, really loud. Hi. There, I think we picked up some of that. Miss Awesome over there set up, uh, what, what kind of page would you call it? What did I say it was? set up an index page for for all the episodes so far so you can go over there and see everything that's been up of course you need to go over to itunes and subscribe to the show the show actually broke the top 200 uh of the i guess what's hot no no what's hot is the the first category but uh it the top 200 downloads for for the visual arts podcast section because you guys went over and are subscribing from iTunes and downloading the shows over there, we, we hit number 80. So that's awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate all the support from you guys out there. Again, I mentioned this in the last show, and I'm sort of like speaking about the future because this it's I'm recording this on Saturday night, and I'll have the contest up and running by next week, but I, I'm not exactly 100% sure how it's going to look quite yet. I'm going to do a raffle with all the gift packs that I have from the sponsors for the show. So we have an awesome uh, lineup of, of sponsors for this episode. Of course, DSD Shop, who's been with us from the get-go, uh, has some shirts to give away in the in the contest. We also have a, a two-shirt and hat set from Brixton.com, which is Brixton Manufacturing Company, the uh, clothing company that I work with here in San Diego and keepabreast.org who donated this amazing gift pirate box full of Keep Abreast goodies that the amazing Amanda Nixon put together. It's a piece of art in and of itself. Um, but I'm gonna have photos and all of that stuff up on the blog so that you can see all that in a couple days, which by the time you hear this, all that stuff will be up. Of course, make sure you go check out all their websites, dsdshop.com, brixton.com, keepabreast.org it's keep-a-breast.org and also uh by the time i i get the contest running as well i will have two pairs of spy sunglasses to give away as well from spyoptic.com all these companies are local san diego companies in fact uh, i think three of them are even within the same neighborhood or within a close proximity to one another and um, I'm really happy to get their support. Of course, um, I want to show the same support. So go over and check out those those websites. Um, make sure you uh, click on the blog and, and go to the donate section uh, where you can donate via PayPal. 
For everyone who's already donated to the show, you'll automatically be entered into this contest, but don't let that stop you uh, from from buying a couple extra tickets if you want to. So uh, for everyone, if, uh, if you donate $5 to the PayPal, uh, via the blog there you'll find all the links it's easy to it's easy to get to you'll get a raffle ticket i'll draw i'll draw four names and you'll receive one of the four gift packs from the live free podcast sponsors um so with all that said ladies and gentlemen without further ado miss mel cadell you do have a nice shining light coming Oh, this aura I have? Yeah, it's complicated. I've been wanting to get a, um, a laptop so I could do some portable podcasts. So, I, so there's not so many, so many Skype interviews and more one-on-one. Like, this is cool to be able to do it, but it's always a little bit better to be face-to-face in person. But this is as, this is as close as we can get without <laughs> having to pay gas money. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's not bad. And, and for like the lazy people, don't leave their house. This is perfect. Right, which uh, it sounds like... All three of us uh, sort of fit that bill, except for the lazy part. I don't think I don't think we're lazy. True, true. Just, we just none, but I, I just hate freeways personally. I know, and you you're in the worst city for freeways. I know. I, I I have no idea why they have two lane freeways in the busiest driving city in all <laughs> the world. I still it's, can't figure it out. San Diego is is pretty nice. We uh we have four lane freeways, so we don't we don't have it as bad as you guys, but. But yeah, so it's funny that we never actually met in person because, um, you know, like I, I, will, I look at a ton of art all the time, but it's almost always online because like we were talking about, it's I'm always inside. Somehow, some way, I always see your work in person. Like I've probably like at least five or six times I've seen it wherever I just happen to be at in like a city at some point. <laughs> Weird. You, you always happen to have a show up and it's like, almost like it, it almost without fail if if it's like a gallery that i happen to go in either they have something like in the back or like you have a show up or had something in it and it's weird that it's funny that we just never met because i have so many friends who have met and hadn't seen their artwork in person before but yeah. know each other through well, the world well, how did we i know we have a piece of yours but how did that happen like was that did you Travis you just and touch I, with Travis? Yeah, we, we've known each other via the internet, but we still have, I'm, I believe, I don't think we've ever met in person either. And I haven't, I haven't even got to see much of his work in person, like in the, you know, yeah. in a gallery space or something, even though I've seen a ton of it online or whatever. Well, come, um, I heard him ask you, like, how, many, like, how often you get to LA, but come by here and, um, like, our place is a, is a nice, because it, it doesn't feel like you're in Los Angeles when you're at our house, you know, it's yeah. sort of. I mean, that's why we like it. That's why we don't leave our house because we're like, you know, we don't want to face the, you know, remember we live in LA. Except I guess we do see palm trees out the window occasionally. But um, yeah, you should you should come by and you could go through all his flat files and you know hang out. That would be right. I, I definitely want to do that. I um I I was telling him I have all these uh like preconceived hatreds of Los Angeles that I sort of just have been holding on to grudges that I should totally let go. You know? Yeah, you have to. <laughs> yeah, you'll let go when you come over. You will. Totally. So, yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm definitely going to take you up on that. I, I've really been wanting to just jump on the train because it's like like 30 bucks or something. You could ride the train up and sit and go up the coastline and drink Coronas until you get to L.A. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And the train. Yeah, I, 
I forget there's that train. I mean, I don't go, I've only been to San Diego like two times, I think. And it's beautiful about it. It's like, you know, like the train would wait, like that would totally be a motivator for me to hop on. And yeah, it's rad. Just the drive, just the train ride down itself. Like once you get past Anaheim is really rad. Like you just go along the coastline and then sort of cut yeah. in between the sort of mountains and stuff in between here and, and there. Can we jump back to maybe your early yeah. life? Did you grow up in Los Angeles? No, I grew up in um, Harris, well, outside Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Oh. So the, the uh, sprawling suburbs outside Harrisburg and uh, moved to Philadelphia for college and then off to New York and then to LA where I've been for about 12 years. Nice. Uh, my, my family is all from Pittsburgh and uh, what is it? McKeesport, Pennsylvania. Well, I don't know. Is that close to Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think it's like the, a suburb yeah. outside of the city or something. But yeah. all that surrounding area, all my relatives are from there. I'm going to see if I pick up any of your Pittsburgh stuff. Because I picked up yeah. some, of, some of Travis's Kansas City, just little slight twangs. Yeah, yeah, I say time. orange. Apparently that's wrong. Do you, do you say yins? <laughs> no. So maybe you're far or, enough I, away from I, Pittsburgh not to deal with that. Yeah, Harrisburg's on the other side of Pennsylvania, so maybe we, we're like, you know, we don't... Although people that they have Pennsylvania has a twang like people say crick instead of creek. Yeah, and, there, uh, there's definitely a, a a sound. And it's so funny like doing this podcast. I now like I look at sound as something sort of different because I I do I I can look at a podcast and sort of see people's um, sound wave signatures. Like people talk a certain way and it creates certain shapes in just the sound wave of the recording. Like, I know where all my uhs are. I could just see them before even hearing them. And it's cool. Like, I'm, I'm picking up different things in, in people's, like, enunciations and fluctuations and sound that are sort of interesting to me. I don't know if it's interesting to anybody else. but I think it's one of those painful things is to hear yourself if you're not, you know, in that, if you're not kind of um, used to you know, speaking and, and then having it being played back. Yeah, and, oh, gosh. Of... The first time I heard something like that, and I just said, you know, you know what I mean? You know, you know, I just, after everything, I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. But, you know, a lot of yeah, people, just, a lot of people stress on it. Even just the, the tonal sound of your voice. I've actually learned to hear what my voice really sounds like. You know how, like when you hear your, yourself on the, in, on the inside, it sounds like somebody different from the recorded version. Yeah. Now, because I've heard my stupid voice so often with these recordings, <laughs> that I can hear it when I say it. So I've almost lost that sort of transition between those two sounds. Because we always sound cooler in our heads somehow, at least to oh, me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I sound amazing to myself right now. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so when did you, did you go to art school? I did. I went to school in Philadelphia at um, Moore College of Art. And it's actually one of the only, I think it's one of three or one of two all, all women's art schools in the world. Um, I didn't go to that school for that reason. And if, if anything, I think I, if I had to do it over again, I, I would have picked a, a co-ed school, but I, I transferred mid year, you know, like mid whatever terms in January. And, um, just for that rushed reason, I, I knew I wanted to go to school in Philly and I, I kind of just made the choice like really quickly and looked around the school and I didn't even think of the. I didn't even really take that into consideration so much. And, um, you know, I think 
there's probably a lot of, I don't know, I still haven't digested what that is, like going to school and just sitting in class with women. Because I, after, you know, I, you're in a city, there's no, there's no dorm. So I'd leave the classroom and I'd go hang out with all my guy friends. And it just didn't really sink in that I'm in this all-female college. But, mm-hmm. um, but in a weird way, I think it helped uh, kind of knock out some of that nonsense that happens when guys and girls are in, like, in a room together at that age where you are either so self-aware because a guy's in the room and you want to look cute or you, you know, all this other stuff that you have to usually deal with in life that you just didn't have to deal with. And so that sort of like self-awareness kind of went out the window in our, in our classes. And that that was sort of nice, but. I guess, I, I mean, I assume it's sort of this in every environment, but particularly in the art world environment, there is that like boys club mentality that I think, And I don't know if it's the same for for all women, but I think a lot of women get discouraged by it. Mm -hmm. And maybe that, do you think that you, that maybe you got some extra confidence in that and that you didn't have to sort of go through those mental states, sort of? Yeah, maybe because I wasn't, maybe more out of ignorance because I wasn't aware of it. You know, there wasn't that competition where if, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's true that guys are more dominant, but if they, if if their personalities or are more dominant and if girls would fall to the wayside a little bit in a classroom, then I, we definitely didn't have those issues. Um, I didn't think about it like that when I was in school and then coming out, I think I was just oblivious. I just didn't, I didn't really weigh myself against boys. I was kind of grew up like a serious tomboy anyway. So I I never really had that, that battle on my own, but I know that I know it's out there. I know, I know girls feel less represented in a lot of ways, but than, than, than guys. I don't know. I mean, I once like we I was in a show this year at Subliminal Projects, and it was a fee, it was a show that supported or that benefited a women's shelter in in uh, downtown Los Angeles, and so it was all women's show, and it kind of hit me like, wow, this is great. There's only females in the show, and it and it did hit me then that like most of the shows I'm in are I'm like one of the few girls in it, you know. So I want I do wonder how other women artists feel if they feel like they're not getting a fair share, you know, at, at exhibiting and um, exposure and stuff but isn't um, it still kind of weird it's almost like almost like a backhanded compliment like having like doing an all-women show do you ever feel like it's almost a little condescending oh oh yeah because I think yeah I think it's like we need our own show like in order to have a show you have to do one together and make it make a thing about it you know and absolutely I think there are some girls that wouldn't take part in the show because of that reason but I, and I understand that, but on the flip side, I think because it's benefiting a, a women's center that there is sort of this feeling of like, rad, man, all these girl, all these really strong artists are together and there's no guys. And it kind of feels like in a weird way, it's like, I totally like, I liked it. Like, there, yeah. you know, I, I've only been in a few shows like that. But and yeah. obviously there's something a little bit different when you're, when there's something with a specific cause and, and reason and pathway, like yeah. something like yeah. that. But you know, there's a lot of shows that aren't that, that are just girl shows that are, sort of marketed as like hey look at this sideshow thing of just all girls yeah and of course like did it i'm all i'm totally supportive of i i understand that sometimes it it, you know there's power in numbers and that sometimes you need to bond together to to get a little strength i i totally understand that so it's like i don't want to sound negative about it but there's also that flip side that i don't think is talked about very much yeah yeah it's like you shine a light on it then um yeah it's a little bit like we're the same, but we're, we have to, ha- we, we're doing this thing together because we're different, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it is, it's sort of, um, it's sort of a double edge, but I, I kind of like when, because my name is Mel and if people don't know me, then they might write me and say, 
um, or I'll, I'll see something written and they're like, oh, this guy, artist, Mel Cadell. And I love getting mistaken <laughs> as a boy, That's you know, awesome. like, I mean, not in person. Yeah, but obviously. If, but if um, they, uh, well, that kind of brings up sort of my my next topic that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, there's a lot that you, you have a repetitive um, female figurative throughout your work. And there's something that I've always got from it that was kind of like a yin and a yang that I found interesting that maybe like learning about your schooling kind of makes sense now. Um, but there's always like a, a like a really determined sort of look to the to the female figurative the figures in your work, yet there's like a um, like an unsureness or like they're like really strong, but there's a little like there's some sort of fear or something's kind of like holding them back. Like there's a a very um, black and white sort of yin and yang effect that I get. Is that something that is conscious? in the work for you yeah oh totally because i want i really want the work mostly to feel strong but i don't want it to be like um i don't want it to be so hyper strong that it's um beyond what we all feel you know i don't want these people to be like superheroes these are people just like everybody men included even though i just draw females for the most part you know right now um but yeah, I want that. I want that to relate to all of us. We're, we're we wake up every day and are thrown challenges and and hurdles, and we have to like get through them. So even though she's she's a pretty pretty much a badass, but you know she's um, flawed for sure. You know. Yeah, and I, I think that shows at least to me, and I that's why I think I I find interesting is like that uh, that both weak and strong aspects of somebody. Like you know, we're not always perfect. Yeah, no, far from it. She has like, I always draw a little beer belly on her. You know, I don't want her to be too, too gorgeous. <laughs> I always like, I, I like the frown. Because, like I relate to the, her sort of furrowed brow that, that happens a lot. That little yeah. like determined frown, like face to the wind kind of idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Once in a while, Travis will come over. He's like, Ooh, look at that one. She's pissed, you know? <laughs> He always enjoys a little bit extra extra brow frow. Yeah. Also in your work, there's a lot of um, patterning that's sort of like reminiscent of old like quilt folk work. Mm -hmm. Is is that something that uh, is is connected to your past somehow? I think it's, um, I think it is somewhere. I mean, I, I've thought about that before and I kind of always think about like old bed sheets I, I would sleep on or pajamas and these patterns that are um like nostalgic but they're they're things that remind me of like home you know grandma's well, there's... And, you know just being young and but i don't not they're not specifically drawn from that but just when i think about it i think that that it's got to be like where where some of that's coming from you know when i when pennsylvania like near near where i grew up it's you know the amish community and like all these these things that I, mu I must have soaked in, you know, to, uh, uh -huh. to some level, um, because I don't look at books or textile books or there's, it's not, it's not something I source. It's just, it was a pretty natural place where my work started going. Yeah. And it's, it looks, it has that sort of Pennsylvania feel. Like it, I could feel that, that sort of Quaker barn sort of painting folky, like grandma quilt things. Cause you yeah. know, like I, I have that same heritage. So there's something I probably connect to that. But it clearly looks like something unique in in like the way the patterns form once once you create that pattern or you know how the pattern elaborates itself throughout the piece or whatever. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, they're really going 
um, it's really nice when you, and I'm sure you experience this making, making artwork, but you know, you go, you, you're making pieces all, you know, all, all day, every day. And then once in a while, you'll just hit something and you're like, oh, that felt right. And you just want to repeat it, you know, and kind of explore it a little bit. And that's how, like, I remember doing one piece with a stack of blankets and, and I thought, oh my God, it was so pleasing to my eye, you know, that I was, it's just like taken on like a world of its own now. And I've just been really like going heavy into like, you know, layering them and cutting them out and they're getting more detailed. And, you know, I just feel like I'm just, you know, the patterns are almost taking over the girls becoming smaller, you know, in, in the narrative and kind of staying a little more psychedelic with it. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about from there was if you ever get into those patterns and like halfway through are like, oh shit, what am I doing? Like, because <laughs> some of them are, are really, really detailed. No, I will. That's the, I think that's the time when I like am happiest because, you know, when, you, when you're like, you're concepting what the thing, what the drawing is going to be about, like what the point of it is, you know, or, or maybe it's just, you want it to be eye candy, but, but they're still like taking a blank piece of paper and transforming it. So I think once the, the real like details, like are, it's just me painting in and, and thickening up the lines, then I'm golden. Cause I can just, it's not like I'm on autopilot in any way, but I'm, I just all about focus and repetition of lines and, it's really a peaceful moment where I, I'm not struggling as much anymore with the composition or the, the idea of it, you know, and yeah. I, I'm just blissed out <laughs> drawing patterns. And again, I talk to it about every, to every single person that I talk to about this stuff is that it's that meditative phase when you get into like the zone to where it's just pen stroke, pen stroke or brush stroke, brush stroke, and our minds just quiet down and, and go to rest. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, people get that from all sorts of different outlets. But as artists, we have every day, almost all day to sort of get into those phases. And yeah. it, it keeps most of us sane. I, I don't, it, it must not work for everybody. But I, I heard you mentioned psychedelic and I sort of, sort of something that Travis and I were talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is that something uh, you're comfortable with talking about or have is something that you partake in no i don't well i have but i don't i don't um because i'm older and i don't uh like the feeling of um being trapped in a state of mind for too long so that or i maybe i'm blaming age or maybe it's just yeah that, oh i blame age completely. yeah yeah that that sounds like hell to me you know i, I feel like i wouldn't um but i'm not like, i'm not like opposed to it right. for other people i have just ever don't. tried salvia no have you yeah i um i just did it for the first time on the podcast actually um whoa the episode with uh bob green and anna brown we Sounds we start we start the podcast and then we do a salvia trip anna and i did it for the first time and bob had done it already and then we come back on and talk about it so it's basically it's um it's an herb that is similar to um, sage. I, it's in the sage family, or so, like the mint family, um, and it, it grows in uh, Awaka down in mm -hmm. South America. That's where it is originally from. And the Mazteca Indians were were known for for growing it, and they actually eat it. They chew it. It's basically processed like tea. It's dried and, and broken up into like a, a tea bag type of thing. And you smoke it 
and it's basically like your gnarliest hallucinogen, like your gnarliest acid trip, like the peak of it, but for only seven minutes. And then what's after the seven minutes? Are then you, you come out of it, you're kind of like a little bit like your eyes are a little weird. And then after about 20 minutes, you're, you're back to normal. Wow. Yeah. I, and I just did it for the first time and there's, it's legal. You can buy it at smoke shops. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's different, le- like different levels of strength to it. And I've only tried the first, like the lowest level. And I went to some different dimension. If you listen to the podcast, I don't, I don't want to go. I've gone over it a couple of times. So. so you didn't, you didn't talk during the seven minutes of craziness. You, you uh, went, you talked about it after. Yeah. We paused, okay. turned the, turned the podcast off, went into the, cause I, I had a whole like setup cause I did it. I did it how you're supposed to, like, there's a whole like ritualistic way you're supposed to go about it. Like I was playing this like trippy, um, uh, Bonnie Prince Billy track mm-hmm. from that. It was from an all instrumental album that he did that has a bunch of like really melodic, repetitive, um, like guitar tracks. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know what the name of that album is, but it's really good. Then just turned all the lights down and it was like a cloudy day. So it was really dark anyway. Turned all the lights down. Then like I actually was getting ready to start and something like inside was like, okay, take a breath, relax. You're not ready yet. Like, like internal, you know, and I was like, okay, you're right. You know, whatever just told me that. And, you know, took a couple deep breaths and like cleared my mind all the way. Because if you go online and search Salvia on YouTube, you'll find a bunch of knucklehead ass teenage kids doing it and acting like fucked up, like acting crazy. But I sat perfectly still, didn't say a word because... In the um, Mazteca tribe, they say that if you you're not supposed to laugh because it uh, it uh, disrespects the salvia goddess, you know. And I felt myself as soon as soon as I went into this new dimension that I was in, I like giggled a little bit, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And I held, <laughs> I, I blocked it back up, and then I sat perfectly still. But it wow. felt like I was being rocked back and forth, like I was going down a water slide. And so you I, when you came out of it, you weren't like. Like your cat wasn't in the blender and you weren't like, you know, shirtless or, I mean, nothing. You no, no, no. I, um, I filmed it. And well, they, when you do it, you're supposed to have like a sitter, somebody who sits with you and doesn't let you jump up and act crazy. You should really be laying down with your eyes closed, sitting still. But what happens is people jump up and have their eyes open and you basically, you have a hallucination over your waking reality. So you see things around you, but at the same time, you're having a full-on hallucination. But if you just close your eyes, you get to just have the hallucination and not deal with the the confusing mix-up of seeing real life and strange hallucinations happening over the top of it. Wow, I'm so not going to do that. It's very interesting. And I mean, there's other ways too, like like sensory deprivation tanks, which there's, there's quite a few in Los Angeles that are super rad that it's, it's, People reach sort of psychedelic states in that way too. Are you familiar with those at all? No. It's um, it's a it's called a sensory deprivation tank, but that sounds kind of like wicked and evil. But mm-hmm. it's um, it's a it's a tank that's about eight foot long by about four foot wide, and they even have in typically they're about five feet tall, but they have ones that are like eight, ten feet tall. Um, and the bottom is filled with about a foot and a half of uh, water that has 600 pounds of saline so, uh, saline solution or um, Epsom salt, excuse me, 
And so what it does is it makes you buoyant, you know, like the Salton Sea. If you go lay in the Salton Sea, you float. Well, what they do is they heat the water up to the same temperature as your skin, and you get in this tank and close the door behind you, and it's pitch black. So when you get in, you float. You don't feel your skin because the water is the same temperature as your skin and the air is the same temperature. So you, you, you shut down your, your touch perception in your, mm. in your brain. Then you can't see anything, so your eyes shut down their, their sight perception. Your ears are underwater, so your, your hearing is, is pretty limited. But you end up hearing just yourself internally, which is really weird. I thought mm. somebody was outside the tank the first time I got in. And it turned out that it was just my own heartbeat that I was hearing. But I thought somebody was walking around the tank. I'm like, what are these people doing? They're fucking up my situation here. So what that does is because our mind is constantly at work, like saying, okay, I have this T-shirt on. I feel it on my skin. I'm looking at this computer screen with the light going into my eyes, sending messages into my brain. So it's like our brain is constantly on an electrical firing mechanism. Well, when you go into the sensory deprivation tank, you allow your mind an opportunity, just like when we go to sleep, to shut down our our touch perception, our sight perception, our hearing perception. And what that does is that turns on other parts of our brain that don't normally get to work. Be- because our brain is such a, a functional machine that it's going to run at its lowest optimal needed energy. You know, So if it only needs... 10% energy to drive you from one place to the other, that's what it's going to use. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because it's constantly using all these other things to, to get to make you survive. Well, what happens when you shut those off, you sort of go into like a dream state to where our mind is like, okay, I don't have to think about this anymore. So I could turn those down and I could turn up these other parts of the mind that um, are typically responsible for like our dreams and sort of what happens when we start, when if we, you know, connect with a mushroom or LSD or some sort of hallucinogen. Because the reality is, is that it's not the hallucinogen that's making us hallucinate. It's the, it's more of the key to the ignition in the car that it's our mind that's making us hallucinate. Mm-hmm. The, it's just the, the, the natural element that we added to it to give it the kickstart to get moving, you know. Wow, that sounds amazing. And how long do you stay in there? Would you say 15 um, minutes? I, an hour. You can, oh, an you can hour. do more. And it kind of, it's, it's a lot like meditation, you know, so somebody who goes to yoga for the first time is probably going to have a difficult time getting sort of into the zone, you know, mm-hmm. or like drawing. So it's like, it takes some practice, like there's some learning curves. Like the first time I got, actually, I'm sort of shorting the story because I ate mushrooms before I got in there, mm-hmm. but I had eaten mushrooms in the morning, then did a full like mushroom trip and then got into the sensory deprivation tank afterwards. <laughs> To sort of come out of it, so I'm I'm planning another trip. It's it's sort of expensive. It's like forty bucks an hour where I go to, mm-hmm. um, but it's totally worth it. And a lot of people like um, like runners and you know like marathon people will go and get in it because apparently it helps heal the muscles. It's like floating in space. You know, you're weightless for a while. Amazing. What was really interesting for me because I kind of had already hallucinated all day, so I didn't have a whole lot of um, like visual things happen. But a lot visuals happen to a lot of people. But for me, what was really really weird was that um, I, you know, as an artist, I hold a lot of tension in my wrist and in my neck from sitting still and doing the same motion over and over. Where when I got in, my whole body felt like it was floating, but 
my wrist and my neck felt like a, a, a pressure was pushing my wrist down into the water, you know, because yeah. I could feel that I'm floating, but there was like a, an external pressure right in my wrist and just under the base of my skull where, you know, where all those muscles that run down your shoulder, down your arm, it's all sort of connected as soon as you start working and like doing something with painting all the time. So I felt that in my mind as I like focused on those areas, like why is this weird pressure right here? I could literally feel the pain sort of um, dilute and spread out like away from that particular where the pressure was like pinpointed at and the Ooh. pain actually went away and same with my neck. But then it would like, it would come back again. Like if, if my focus shifted and Ooh. like I just focused on something, it would, it would come back, but it all, it literally felt like some sort of like healing mechanism. Now, whether wow. that's all mental or, has something to do with like just being weightless or not, you know, I can't, I can't say one way or the other, but it was, it was beneficial and fun even just, yeah. <laughs> just floating it, there. Oh, that absolutely. Uh, yeah. That I would try like the salvia, maybe not so much, but the, um, I mean, obviously two different, two different things, but, um, yeah, I'd love to be weightless and have my mind turn off and, and turn back on, you know, that'd be, I'm doing it. Yeah, I, I highly recommend. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, there's a, a website that has all the links. I'll, I'll grab it and I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, do you want to talk a little, could you talk a little bit about your material process? I know um, a lot of, there seems to be a lot of like old found paper type of stuff. Um, I know a lot of the listeners like to hear sort of the process that artists go through from like a, a sort of short synopsis from, from start to finish, like, as you're beginning to work on a piece, what, uh, what sort of steps do you go through? Well, I, I, I did work on found paper a lot, but I thought I found it to be limiting to like the size, um, because good found paper is usually on this really small side to kind of mimic that little, that tone that the, the found paper has. I began staining my paper with coffee and just letting it dry on the porch. So the sun kind of, you know, uh, burns in the, the stain really nicely and um but I work on so I, I start with a 300 pound arches paper and uh which is just the watercolor paper but it's a really thick one and stain it on the porch um once it dries I I um I just go in and start doing my drawing and the, the ideas have already been like you know usually they're um you know I have little the shittiest little thumbnails you've ever seen in a sketchbook okay. or just ideas written down but I'll, I'll just do a, a loose pencil of what I'm going for. And then pretty quickly, I just start, um, I pull out my microns. I use really small tip pens, you know, so the zero, zero five micron pens. And, um, I just start kind of doing the, the black pen outline and then mix color washes, ink washes, do the color. I go back in with pen, back in with color, back in with pen. And that's pretty much my process. It's really, I use really minimal, um, supplies all on the cheap side and i i work it on a desk it's not like i need some huge studio for what i do so what uh what type of inks do you like to use um i have to look because i don't even know what these fw art acrylic artist ink i guess that's what i use there's a million of them right next to me <laughs> <laughs> um, talk, but, I... you know they're, they're, they're the ink that comes in little jars you can dilute them and mix them yourself and um it's great to get you know, variations on color rather than, um, you know, that way, 
they, they can just sit around. They don't dry up, you know, and they sit here for days at my desk. And that's a, um, a lot of people, you know, don't probably don't realize, but like uh, my work from the last couple of years has been a lot of like drippy, watery, like background colors. Part of that is also like being conservative with materials because I, you know, I don't have money to go buy these super expensive acrylics. You know, it's a, it's a lot of money to, to buy just a, a tiny little, you know, one ounce bottle of, of Liquitex or something. So if you're able to mix it down to a fluidy water and have it, have it be a coverage, you, you save a ton of money and you make something that looks cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, one of these jars is like, I don't know, three or $4 and it'll last months. You know, you, I mean, it's pretty, it's really great in the wallet, but so those drippy things I've seen you do like the, that are coming down from like the portraits you've been working on and stuff. That's a, that's like just thin acrylic. Yeah. It's just yeah. a couple dabs of acrylic onto the, the panel or whatever, and then sprayed down with, wow. a, with a little okay. spray bottle. So it just all runs and, and covers. And then it's a few layers of that to build up you know, a couple dark areas, but literally it's only like four little dabs of paint as opposed to, you know, half the bottle to, to paint the whole surface or something. That's awesome. Yeah. You're just saving yourself some money and you're having a, a new, like a, you know, it's like affecting your process. That's great. Yeah, totally. And it, it came out of like when I was doing, you know, but just before that stuff, I, I had been sharing a studio with a, with an oil painter who was, you know, super landscape, painterly style so i was using all kinds of extra paint trying to get all painterly you know just because of the that happens when you're working in an environment with somebody you just start trading things back and forth you know yeah and so like my work was getting more painterly and his work was getting like more, a little bit more like drippy and weird <laughs> and and so like coming out of that it was like man i need to be a little bit more conservative because i was making big paintings and now I, I, when I left that studio, I, I work from my little home studio now. And so it's, it's like, it's the fishbowl theory that I talked about a couple podcasts ago. That's like, you work to the size of your space and to where you can, you know, contain the work that you also make. Oh, totally. Like, so we, we rent, um, I'm sure Travis mentioned, but we share a studio over at our friend Kyle's, Chuck Kyle Johnson's mm -hmm. place. And, um, I've gone over there and worked on, he's like a, tool shed a tool shop basically i mean you have table saw band saw all these all this stuff that we don't have here so, so awesome. i've gone yeah amazing play playroom for for a big man to cut wood but um <laughs> I've, I've gone over there to use the bandsaw recently and then you know they're gonna be like they're like no get on the wall like get you know get going on something big and i'm just like god i'm after so many years of working small i mean i i just like what am i i can't do like my pen is like the size of a you know, hair, like, well, I'm not, you know, what am I, <laughs> it would take me 10 years to do something large. So to, to, to really like get loose again and work big is like, it's a, it's going to be kind of a challenge. I have to like break out of that, you know, you should do something with spray paint. Spray paint. Yeah. It's so easy to use now. It's so like scientifically engineered to spray. So perfect. Yeah. That, you, what is that? Just cause the tips have gotten better and they have like ways yeah, the way that they're able to pressurize the cans, I guess, is probably the the most key. I I don't know. I've I'm retarded. I I don't know how it works. <laughs> but you know, I I know that it, I used to not be able to use spray spray paint, and, and now I could totally use it. So it's like <laughs> it's something. I may have gotten a little bit better, but I think the technology has far surpassed my skills. <laughs> 
But I got big walls. If you ever want to jump on the train and come down, you could paint big All walls. Right. And I got a bunch of I got a bunch of paint too. It'll be like a four year old starting the paint. Like, yeah, I'll just be like, "What's this brush? Big, yeah. big old brush." I bet you would destroy. I bet it looked just like one of your paintings, just humongous. Because <laughs> you think yeah. it's it's weird. Like I did a thing this summer where I tried to do as many outdoor mural pieces as I could, just because I felt like as a gallery artist, we get kind of sucked up in making products all the time. Like I did this big ass thing. It was it was twenty five foot tall by seventy five foot wide, and I was scared. I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, you know? Because I'm like you. Like I work. I like to work eight by ten is like my my joint. Like I love yeah. it. That like that's perfect. You know, eleven by seventeen. It's getting a little wide. It's outside of my peripheral vision. Like I'm not that into painting big, but you know. Oh yeah, it's totally scary. I mean, the the stuff I've done, and I know people will will frown at like projectors, but, but the point, like if I, if I have worked larger, I've projected like a loose outline, you know, up and just pe pencil something in, put the projector away, you know, so it's pretty, you know, it's pretty freewheeling in spirit, but it's like, people still hate that word projector, but, but otherwise it's like to get those, just get proportions like, right. So it doesn't really look like a piece of like, I mean, I don't want my stuff to look like expressionistic, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want there to be like, you know, I want the head to be the size of a head, kind of, and you know. Yeah. So to do that, like you know, if you're not used to that, it's just crazy to to really just get go big and just yeah. go right, go straight on it. You know, I had to do. I was like, I had an eyeball that I knew was my wingspan. I drew one eyeball first, and I was like, okay, I should be able, if I draw one eyeball, I should be able to find the other one and know that it's this wide. And then from there, it should all match. But I had right. no idea. Like jumping down, I was like. It's going to be half the face one way and half the face the other way. It's going to be a disaster. But with that projector thing, like, those are just haters, really. Because, you know, like, it's, it's – I use a projector all the time when I go and do gallery shows and do, like, big wall paintings because people don't understand how long it takes to sketch something out like that. Like, the amount of time and effort it takes just to do a sketch to have it be ready to go. And to, to say there's something wrong with blowing something up because it's – as long as you're blowing up your drawing, it's still your drawing. You're just doing it in a, an efficient way. That some yeah. people hate efficiency for some reason. It's like the same people that get really mad at like, like using the computer to do particular parts of work. Like for me, it's like if you're creating something from a pure standpoint, then it doesn't really matter how you get there, as long as you you worked it out the way that you mean to. Totally, I think it's I think it totally is haters. I think it's you know, um, I mean that projector thing even just putting it's not like it magically throws the image up either it's like your hand is still doing it like yeah. and like you said it's your drawing that you're projecting so yeah. you know it's there's there's a lot of room for a lot of mistakes so if it comes out you know with any kind of success then you know yeah it's it's not the projector and it's, there's no little man in there doing it for you but yeah you just got done with a um with a gallery show at mary kronowski right yep just finished like uh two days ago and it was awesome, man. It was my first show there, and I don't know. I mean, I haven't had like history of a bunch of terrible shows with other people, but I, I, I feel like when, once this when this was happening, the shows together and just their their uh, their level of professionalism and spirit over there, and I thought, wow, this is a good one. I mean, this is like how they this is how people this is a good experience. You know, this yeah. is like definitely like it now. Like, there's a new marker on like you know how it feels to like work with a really rad gallery. They, they were, they were awesome. It was a successful show, but I just yeah. think they, you know, you can have them at really small unknown galleries and you can have 
shows at big, big galleries that aren't great, you know? So it's just like, or they don't do well or that people don't really respond to and stuff. So I think this one just, I think all the elements were there, you know, and it felt like, you know, I, I had a really good time with this, with this show. As an admirer of the works that you make, I see that as like, like maybe your, your audience got broader possibly. And like, mm-hmm. like there's a, um, there's a, a level of, of success that comes along with that, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I hope, I hope it does. I, but I don't think I'm aware of the, of that stuff because I don't really know, like and nothing's so, so far, no one, like my email hasn't like my email isn't blowing up, you know, I don't have like, people like knocking on it. I mean, nothing, nothing's changed from it. I don't feel, but it does feel like, like her, her, like the people that go out to see the shows that she has, you know, I felt like, you know, they were there. And then the people, I haven't had a solo show in LA for a long time. And I, so I have, and I've lived here for quite a while. So I have my, a, a group of people that usually show up to my shows and they came out. So I felt like the room was really, there was a good mix, you know, and there's some definitely like a lot of like people on her end that I who wouldn't have seen my work otherwise. I wish you could hand one of those through the computer. Oh, me too. Do you, do, do you like Guinness Stout? I love Guinness. Ah, oh, this is our beer. Nice. I, I slip on Mike Sieben's Beer Cozy. Rad. I was just watching his um his new episode of the the Internet Shack today. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was saying I put a I put a Twitter out there just to put it in the universe that I have a goal of doing a uh, a Will Oldham album cover before 2012, before the end of 2012 or something. Oh no! Yeah, good, good goal. That's awesome. So I just put it out there, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? I want I want to ask you about. Um, you did the the album cover for the Battle of Land and Sea, right? Is that your work? Oh, yeah, I did. That's awesome. Sorry, we've been yeah. we've been playing that um, record almost like all the time. It, oh, cool. And I, yeah, I, I, that was a while ago. Um, well, I don't know when, when that album came out. Yeah, three or four years ago. But yeah, they're it's they're, new to us. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I think my girlfriend found it first, and then uh, it's pretty much been on the loop for the for a while. And it's so funny. Like I go and pick out albums where I just see artists, people that that I like. If they did the album cover work, yeah. I'll uh, I'll just grab the album. I've found some ones I'm not that interested in, but um, yours was definitely. I say yours like it was your album, but yes, <laughs> that I album played was... all, I played all the instruments on that and sang. Do you do any music? No, I messed around with like instruments when I, I don't know, just experimented. I played piano when I was a kid. And then when I grew up, got a little older, I tried guitar and saxophone and nothing. I'm terrible. I am, I have no rhythm. I've no, I can't <laughs> hold a beat. Travis hates it. I'm the worst. Like, it's amazing, actually. I'm getting, it's getting worse and worse. And now I'm, I almost feel like it's comedic to the point where I shouldn't even ever pick an instrument up for the rest of my life. Is he, is he a guitar player? Yeah, he was in bands like all through yeah. high school and college. There was a bunch of shit that I wanted to talk to him about that we did. We just blabbed for too long and we didn't get to. I'm gonna have to do part <laughs> two with him. Yeah, I know. I, I was kind of hearing you. This is where I was. I wish we could be together and it the sound could have worked out because I'm in the other room. And I'm only hearing his end, but I kept wanting to chime in and be yeah. like, "Oh, tell him about this," and you know get i wanted to get in on the party a little bit well but. uh well i'll definitely bring the microphone when i come up to los angeles to hang out and then we could do like a round table which uh which works a little bit better yeah but if we could sit down and have more just like a discussion that would be that would be rad and i would like for the show to sort of start to go into that but mm-hmm. in the way that it's set up and sort of structured now it's more about like 
learning about the artists and seeing how they got from point A to point B and, you know, find the yeah, story could, in between. Could, during the, the three of us, we should, um yeah, we should pass around a piece of paper the whole time too and have a little collab going. So we'll have like a end of the, end of the interview um drawing. Yeah, that would be rad. Yeah. Right, well, we got, we're going to have to make that happen then soon. Um, you've been doing some mobiles recently. Is that a recent? Yeah, that was the, um, when I mentioned working on the bandsaw, that's what I was doing. I was um, cutting out, I did a hundred wooden flowers for the show at Mary Karnowski's and um, yeah, hung them up in the middle of the room and sort of nice to, I, I mean, I don't do a lot of 3D work and I, I think it was just nice to have the work kind of jump out of the frame, you know, for a change and it really tied, tied the room together again. You know, it just, it just, it was, it, it kind of put everything into a cohesive feeling and yeah, it was, it was nice to, to do that. I mean, I definitely want to do it again. I saw, I don't know, was it um, done for a photograph or was it in your yard? You had, there, there was some hung up by a, a big tree that looked like it had a tree swing or something. Oh yeah. Oh, I think those are just like, kind of like, oh yeah, just shapes and colors, like cardboard mobile stuff. Yeah. I think there was, I had um, I tied him to a tree in the neighborhood. Yeah, that um, was awesome. I would love thanks. to see more of that. Like it looked like it was. They looked like they were made out of wood. I couldn't tell if they were cardboard. Yeah, those were just cardboard. But um, yeah, that, actually, I'm looking out the window right now because there's a couple from hanging from our tree um, outside the house. But yeah, that that sort of led into doing it in wood. The wood seemed like it matched the the tone of the papers better, you know, for this show, and um, it felt sturdier and a little more like you know, like a finished piece and it was nice. It wasn't going to decompose in a year, but, yeah. um, but yeah, the cardboard stuff is, that was a little easier and not, I, I don't like, I wouldn't lose my fingers over it. So <laughs> yeah. that was nice. Yeah. Would you ever consider doing those outdoors? Like just as like little street projects? I, I would. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the one in, in our neighborhood, um, didn't go too well cause I hung them all up and I got a great couple of sh sh photos and then, I looked over my shoulder and people were already taking them down, you know, and then the next day I went up and the wind had blown them all away. So, you know, I just like, wow, that was quick. And, um, no one saw it, you know, except for my, <laughs> me and Travis and the people stealing them. But, um, but yeah, maybe the wood or some other, I, I'd have to figure out a, a better way to do it. Yeah. I'll, I'll figure something out. My yeah. I, th I think that would be a rad project because I, especially in almost like that rural or like nature setting, I think is really sort of an interesting combination yeah and i don't i feel like they're not too offensive like to, and they're they're just I, I think people well no that's not true like they already stole them or who knows why they took them but yeah it seems like people just be like oh there's a tree decorated and maybe they just don't do anything about it you know there's not gonna they're not gonna like, call the cops on me if they see me hanging a sweet flower yeah you never know <laughs> you can't you can't please everybody well um let's talk what let's talk about uh, you got some stuff coming up in the future I think you should have a Twitter. I oh really? Yeah, I think I should. Well, if Travis says a Twitter, I want to. I want to tweet Travis and you. Uh, yeah, I'll work on that. I just like warmed up to Facebook this year. I'm really slow on that kind of stuff, and it's not that I'm. It's not to be overly overly righteous or anything, but I just feel like I get really distracted by that. Oh yeah. That kind of stuff, and I um. So I joined Facebook and I quit it, and I was like, "What is this Facebook?" And the, and then I really now I really enjoy it because I look I I get to keep up on. I see things I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I'm not searching the net all day. So it's kind of like the people that do search around a little more than me. Like I get to pick up on what they're finding and, and keep in touch with friends and see what they're up to that don't live near me. And I mean, it's awesome, but I, I am slow to like 
that. And I always thought like, oh, I'm not going to have a Twitter account ever, you know, but now it doesn't seem so scary. Well, you know, know actually, if Twitter is a lot less of a spider web than, uh, than Facebook is, because there's a lot less to like catch your eye and click on and, and buzzers and bells and whistles that there's a lot less in Twitter. So it's, uh, you don't have as much distractions. Yeah. Yeah. And you can yeah. just post your stuff. There isn't as, there isn't as much. And then you, um, but you aren't, isn't your phone always dinging? Like you're getting feeds from other people all day. Yeah. But you can set it up to where it doesn't do that. Yeah. Okay. If you want to. Cause you could use it just like Facebook. You don't have to do it on your phone. Oh, okay. But, Although I probably, yeah. Yeah, I do. I use it on my phone yeah. all the time. But, you know, it, it's good. It's like just to get little like, you know, I'm going to be in this city doing this show whenever, you know, if the if people it seems like less and less people are going on websites or if they yeah. are going on websites, it's to figure something out to get somewhere else, you know, right. just to get that information. But if you can feed them little bits of things, you know, I don't know oh, if yeah. that, that's important. I was, for I was totally missing out. I mean, without being on Facebook for, for a long time, I, people were having all sorts of things. And I would be like, well, why didn't you tell me? And it was like, well, it's on Facebook. I mean, it wasn't even a question like why they wouldn't email me the information because they don't email any, they don't blast out anymore. They just, and I was like, wow, I'm now that I'm on, I realize like even, and then on my own I'm flip it to me, like telling people about stuff like, oh my gosh, people actually respond there and pretty amazing. Yeah. And I feel, you know, I feel like we're kind of lucky in like the age bracket that we're in because we got to experience a childhood sort of without all that uh, technological uh, distraction. But at the same time, we get to sort of still stay young by being able to use these things, like being connected to uh, uh, like a youth culture or, you know, a culture outside of our own little bubbles that we build. Absolutely. I love our age, our age group for that reason. Like, I think about that a lot. Just, I mean, even looking into things like when we were, when I was in high school, I don't even like looking back, it's like amazing that you find anything, you know, because you go like I would go to record stores and that's where I'd see my art, like on record cover. I mean, it was like there's no galleries, there's no, you know, what you'd see in bookstores where it wasn't that. I mean, they didn't get the magazines I wanted, you know, so I'd, it was just really it was so difficult, let alone being in touch with people. But um, but I love I love having that having that uh, that challenge from the past, you know, and then. Now to have everything seems so easy as far as like researching, it's just amazing. Yeah, like even it, and it, it wasn't that long ago. Like literally, like just ten years ago, there we if we wanted to find art that was interesting to us, and we didn't have a, a, a an art scene in our community, we had to search out these scenes. We had to find these artists. We had to you know find these magazines that showcase some of these things, and it, you had to really you had to be dedicated to finding these things where now yeah. it's just a click of a button in your pocket. Yeah. Like an, like a, like an old, like a punk show in Harrisburg. Like how did anyone find out about it in that shithole basement or, you know, and every, it was like, we all had like a, you know, like a, a phone, you know, a cup with a string on it kind of like from bedroom to bedroom through neighborhoods, just like somehow kids find, find what they, what they need to find. But in the suburbs or in those little towns, like, you know, God, I mean, it's amazing. We got, I, I, I'm so lucky. I had a really cool older brother. And, um, so I just like <laughs> leached off his, his yeah. life, you know, like growing up, he just took me under his wing and I was like, you know, 
shows and skate parks and just fun fun stuff that I probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. Yeah. And now these little shits, they got just one click. But, yeah, but at the same time, you know, it's gonna what it will do is like look at at the people who at that time went and searched things, like what those type of people became. Like think of all these kids that are able to search and find a bunch of things. Like what they're gonna be able to com- become in in another ten years is gonna yeah. be amazing. Just the amount of cultural intake, just uh, in in knowing one another, even if it's minimal, be, by by being you know an internet based sort of getting to know someone but you you at least have some sort of uh relative experience yeah well yeah they're gonna i mean everything moves like if you imagine how far we come in 10 years so in 10 years from now it's gonna be like everything's gonna it'll always seem like wow back in those days so this is gonna be back in those days for these kids like, yeah, you know yeah um yeah it's, it's weird i, like, I talk like, about uh youtube being a time machine like, nobody thinks about that shit. Like, we talk about time machines like it's supposed to be some metal box that sends us back somewhere. But literally, I can go type in 1970 Led Zeppelin in in Scotland, and I can go back to that concert and watch it. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's something that has never been done before. And that's literally, like, I'm staying in the same place. I'm not going back to 1970. But part of my brain is going back to there. It's It's mm-hmm. experiencing that thing on some level that that makes the brain think that it's there you know it's experiencing those sounds and the views and those things right and then what, how would you find that you know 15 20 years ago you would be the library of congress or something <laughs> i don't know yeah, i don't know if the there but well i, mean, I remember what, what i used i used to search for um bootleg videos of concerts for all sorts of bands that i would go and pay like 40 bucks for a vhs tape that somebody made at some concert somewhere, you know, just to have it and to be able to yeah. listen to it when I felt like it, you know, like with little weird record shops that carried bootleg stuff. Yeah. You know, I oh, remember yeah. paying almost 50 bucks for a bootleg CD. It's crazy. <laughs> now, crazy. like if you want to like go to a Grateful Dead concert, there's like the entire archive on a website that you can just click a button and listen to any show that's ever been recorded ever. Yeah. I mean, just the word bootleg reminds me of dead. Cause all like in high school, the, you know, all my friends that would run a bootleg tapes, like it, it was just amazing. It was so funny. Like they had, they had like, if they're missing that one show from, you know, the spectrum in 68, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, they're fucking. And that shit, it was like the stock market. Like some tapes had like values. That, mm. Like some people wouldn't want to trade because it was too, it was like, you had to come up with something better to, to barter and like it was that shit was crazy yeah because that that version of dark star had like you know some <laughs> like you know whatever something that happened during that one version so they yeah. <laughs> that tape was worth thousands all right so we're in the future now it is the future it is the future and i will tweet awesome let's um what's your website address um uh, com. it's my name easy enough and are you do you have any um shows lined up for the future I do. Travis and I, speaking of future, are doing a show together at Fecal Face in June. And we haven't done a show together in a while, so that'll be exciting. We're going to collab on some work together for it. And then um, I have to hustle, though, and do get some work going because my, my walls are pretty bare right now because I just got done with the show. So. Yeah, um, and they got the bigger space now up there at Fecal Face. I know, and that was just found out. So we were like, oh, it's small. We'll, we'll be fine. And then they just moved into a bigger space. So we're like, oh, it's 
fucking next it's in a couple months yeah but um but yeah we're we're stoked they're john and jess are the best and um like we i, I like just hanging out with them and we're all friends now after being in touch so much over the last few years so yeah we're just we're psyched Red. All right. Well, thank you very much for doing the show. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, man. It's so cool to hang out. Yeah. And I'll, um, I'll figure out a day, maybe next month that I can, I can jump on the train and come up and see you guys. Absolutely. Totally. Do it. I'll do send it. you guys an email. We'll, uh, we'll take care of it. Let's do, um, internet. Yeah. Cause normally I would shake your hand. All right. All right. Thank you very much. All right, dude. Thank Have you. Have a great night. All right. All right. Good bye. talking to you. Bye. 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 We are, we are chosen, the chosen ones. We, we will linger here, yeah. we will linger under the trees. We are the beautiful ones. Turn our backs to the cold wind They'll never hear from us again These crows They shall not Okay.